The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Yes, with Hassani Pettiford. Welcome, brother. <laughs> Thank you for having me. How are you? I am doing phenomenal. I'm doing fantastic. And uh, let's just do this. Let me get myself on the screen. Praise the Lord. Welcome, guys. And uh, if you're joining us for the Couples Ignite, we just want to take this opportunity uh, to say welcome to uh, this uh, webinar, uh, this Facebook Live. Some of you I know are watching uh, on Facebook. Uh, we just want to take this opportunity to welcome you. Friday was awesome, man. Hassani Pettiford just came and uh, tore the roof off the building, <laughs> so as it were. I mean, all the singles, I was getting messages from most of the singles from church, our live group, uh, uh, some of the WhatsApp groups that we belong to, man, they were just uh, popping because the singles had such a good time. So thank you so much, Asani, for, for Friday night with the singles. And tonight uh, is a different uh, case because we have all the married couples. So there are no yeah. uh, dating couples, I'd like to believe, uh, on this broadcast. Only married couples. So you can be as candid yes, sir. <laughs> as you want to be because, you know, all of them are, are married and uh, they put the ring uh, on it. And so before we even go, let me take this opportunity to welcome uh, all of you who are watching and also just uh, to introduce you guys to Asani Pettiford. He's a good friend of mine, my brother, my friend uh, from another mother. He's, uh, man, he's one of the best uh, uh, people that I know, just finest people that I know in this world. He's an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and celebrity marriage coach who has spent 19 years working with high-profile clients, entertainers, uh, professional athletes, uh, Hollywood and corporate execs, and small business owners. He's a recognized authority on couple skills, uh, uh, infidelity recovery specialist, and is a personal development coach. And so, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you help me to welcome all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, my friend, my brother, Hassani Pettiford. Come on, hit the like button and the hearts. Come on, throw them in there. <laughs> Welcome, brother. Thank you, man. It's such an honor. Every time I get a call from you, uh, listen, it's just a pleasure to just be in relationship with you. I've learned from you. I've grown as a result of you. Uh, our ministry has been impacted because of your influence. And so I just feel indebted. So the answer is always going to be yes when you call. Oh, me. man. Thank you so much. See, I asked in stages. Some of you may not know this, but I couldn't tell him that I wanted two meetings from him up, up front because, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to get an, a good answer. But, you know, I, I told him, hey, Friday, let's do the singles. And after Friday, I said, hey, listen, I have one more request. Let's do the couples on Sunday night. And you said yes. <laughs> and so thank you so much for saying yes, brother. What are we talking about tonight? We want to maximize on, on, on all our time tonight. So what are we talking about tonight with the couples? Well, we want to talk about emotional needs and how to meet those emotional needs in your relationship. And there could be no more of a fitting conversation, you know, based upon the times that we're in today. 
you know, one of the things that has united all of humanity is this global pandemic. And it seems like the crisis on the outside is creating crisis on the inside. And so as a result of that, we're seeing how so many couples are literally falling apart. Uh, domestic violence uh, statistics are sky rising. Uh, we see that people are now considering divorce like never before because they're forced to be locked into debt together. And if you're not in a healthy relationship, that lock in or lock down could feel like you're trapped in a miserable situation. And couples have gone from being soulmates to roommates to roommates to now cellmates. And wow. someone once said that, um, you know, your soulmate will become your cellmate if one of you refuses to grow. And many wow. people feel like they're trapped in the prison of their marriage. And a lot of times that emotional disconnect that has happened over a long period of time is a result of not knowing who their partner is, not knowing how to meet that need. And so the connection that they once had is gone. So we want to talk about how do you build a fortress around your marriage? How do you reconnect and reignite uh, and how do you enter into oneness in a way that benefits both partners? And this is very important. I hear you say that they moved from soulmates and they went to uh, roommates and they went to rollmates and then they went to cellmates. So this, uh, to me, sound like four different stages of going downhill, if you will, yes. in their connection and in their relationship. You mentioned something that was powerful on Friday. You said uh, marriage is the is the institution, but we need the relationship within the marriage to be as functional as the institution of marriage. And I thought that was really powerful. So do you mind before we even get into, sure, sure. Uh, 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 you know, discovering the, the how they can reignite their marriage? Do you mind just explaining the differences between uh, 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 soulmate uh, progressing downward to uh, roommate to rollmate and to cellmate? Absolutely. Well, first of all, the first part of your question is the difference between a marriage and a relationship. And mm -hmm. I think people use the term interchangeably, and it is not the same thing. Your marriage speaks to your partnership, and your relationship speaks to your companionship. So when thinking about marriage and partnership, you're dealing with uh, delegation of responsibilities in the home, how you manage the finances, how you parent, co-parent the children, planning for the future. It is the daily duties and responsibilities and obligations of maintaining a household. Uh, however, the relationship speaks to companionship, and that is sexual fulfillment, meeting each other's emotional needs, speaking each other's love language, blending of personalities, effective communication. It's the heartfelt connection between a couple. So they're, they're two different things, and they require two different skill sets. And so what we're finding is that though on paper, you know, people have great marriages, you know, money in the bank, beautiful home, kids are taken care of, good school system. Their relationship is tattered, torn. Wow. There's no connection whatsoever. Other wow. people have pretty solid relationships, but their marriage, their in the institution, the, the management, the business of their relationship is out of whack. Wow. So it's important to know the difference and, and how to begin to develop skills to enhance both of, both of these things. Now, while that's going on, uh, you also have these four stages that couples potentially go through. Uh, we call it the slippery slope, the emotional disconnect, the decline, if you will. So wow. when you're soulmates, <clears throat> that means that you're in that in love phase 
your partner can do no wrong. You know, you can finish each other's sentences. You feel in sync, you feel one. The passion, the intensity, the excitement, they are the best thing since sliced bread. You're in Come that on. phase. But we know that the uh, in love feeling, if you will, statistically lasts for about two years. And then it begins to, sl it begins to transition into more of a mature love where you may not feel that pitter patter that that the butterflies but you have a genuine love for your partner but anyway that's the soulmate category then what happens is once you say i do oftentimes you give up your relationship for the sake of the marriage and so mm. now it's about duties and responsibilities and paying bills and watching kids so the intimacy picking up kids at school and doing yeah. all the chores comes more about doing stuff and not connecting Exactly. And so that relationship slips to the bottom of the list of priorities because we have work and ministry and kids and all these other things getting in the way. So you shift from soulmate to now rollmate. It's about roles, duties, and obligations. And if you're stuck in that place long enough, you slip down now into what we call roommates, meaning, you Man. know what? I don't even know you. There's no connection. We don't talk. There's no intimacy. Mm. Like we are as far apart as the East is from the West. When we come home, we go in our separate rooms and do our own thing. Uh, though you serve yourself food, you wash your own dish and you put it away. It and it's like roommates, basically. Did you, you know, pay your share of the bills? Yeah. And there's no connection. It's crazy. We call it Dutch living, right? We go Dutch on everything. Dutch on meals, Dutch on kids, Man. just Dutch. And, and, and the problem is there's so many couples who are functioning in disorder. Like literally, I know couples who live in different parts of the house. Like literally, mm. they go to sleep in different bedrooms, they wake up, they greet each other, maybe, and then they go about their business. Completely disconnected. They are roommates. But mm. then couples who are in crisis or those who have experienced some type of betrayal or hardship who can't make it back, they, they represent the sufferers they enter into what we call cellmates. And that wow. is when you're, 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 there's a back and forth, uh, tit for tat, adversarial, low intensity warfare. You're always at each other's throats. Every conversation turns from a molehill to a mountain. There's just no peace in the home. You're just mentally, emotionally just distraught and you can't even function. And so that's a bad place to be in. And, yeah. and see, all of those phases, if you will, are within the realm of the relationship. And that is wow. why we have to get back to being soulmates by doing the things that we did when we initiated the relationship. Come on. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. We're going to get into the things that you should do to stop your relationship. If you are just joining us, man, we're talking about uh, the things that you should do to maintain the emotional connection and the intensity of of being soulmates and uh, so that you can stop the slippery slope of progressing from yes. soulmates to rollmates. I believe rollmates, you know, they, they just communicate around their different roles. As a husband, did you mow the grass? Did you take yes. the trash out? The, the wife, did you make dinner? And they just communicate around the roles instead of uh, around the connection in the relationship and uh, roommates and uh, cellmates. So the progression is four stages. And you want to stay in soulmates and not let your relationship go downhill into roommates, uh, uh, roommates, and ultimately cellmates. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So Hassani, uh, what can we do to stay as soulmates? 
Yeah, well, in order to do that, remember uh, what you naturally did when the relationship first started is what you now have to intentionally do to maintain it. And so uh, let's talk about these emotional needs. Now, understand we're talking about needs, not wants. You mm. can not get what you want and still be okay. But right. when you don't get what you need, it has a tremendous impact. Like we need food, we need water, we need clothing, oxygen. we need shelter for survival. And yeah. so there are emotional needs that we must have for our relational or marital survival. So let's let's just go through these. The, the first emotional need, and this is not in any particular order, we're just hitting them one by one, is Come what on. we will call affection. Okay, so affection by definition is the non-sexual, somebody say non-sexual, non-sexual expression of care. And this level of care can come in a variety of different ways. Words, cards, gifts, hugs, kisses, courtesies. Really what you're doing is you're creating an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses care. Now, Come on. most people are familiar with the international bestseller, The Five Love Languages. Mm. Uh, and it talks about how we all communicate differently. And it's important for you to understand the language that your partner speaks so that you can have great communication. And so those five love languages would be words of affirmation. That's yeah. number one. Quality time. That's number mm -hmm. two. Physical touch. That's now non-sexual physical touch. Okay. Yeah. Um, the giving of gifts. Okay. And acts of service. So for instance, if my personal love language is <clears throat> physical touch, as an example, which it is, and my wife's love language happens to be words of affirmation, I need her to love me through touch and I need to love her through words. Typically what we do we love people the way we want to be loved ourselves right. and we're missing the boat. And so right. we have to learn how to become bilingual. You know, the golden rule is doing to others as you would have them do unto you, but somebody updated it and called it the platinum rule, doing to others as they would want done unto them. Wow. So whatever they need, that's what you need to give them for them to feel loved. Come on. Okay. And now these five, the reason why I bring up these five love languages is because the definition of affection I just read are these five love languages. Let me read it again. The non-expression of care through <clears throat> words, words of affirmation, cards and gifts, giving of gifts, hugs and kisses, physical touch, courtesies, acts of service, creating an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses care. And so it's important that you and your partner discuss what is it that I can do to, to provide you with the, with the level of affection that you need? And so we encourage couples to sit down and have what we call a work day meeting where they take wow. the time to work on their relationship and write it out and make it clear because I could love you from a genuine place, but I could be loving you wrong because if all I'm doing is touching you, but I never compliment you, I never affirm you, I never congratulate you, I never encourage and inspire you, then you're not feeling loved by me. And you think mm. that all I want is physical touch. So we have to learn how to sit down and clearly express what we need and be willing to provide each other that emotional need. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. The, 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 second, the second emotional need, and this is where um, a lot of people get excited, particularly men, 
It's sexual fulfillment. And let me tell you, sexual fulfillment is really the only thing, it's the singular thing that separates a marital relationship from every other relationship on the planet. It should be. Right. And so that speaks to how critically important sexual fulfillment is. I tell you, there's three things that can destroy a marriage, sex, money, and communication. Wow. Those are the three areas that we struggle in the most. And oftentimes when it comes to sexuality, men and women, they may have different temperaments. They may have different levels of libido. They may have different uh, um, passions and interests and willingness to do things in the bedroom. But, but outside of the actual physical act of sex itself, what we have found is that couples struggle with sexual fulfillment because of a lack of intimacy. See, mm. see and we'll get there in a minute, but sex without intimacy is nothing more than two bodies banging together, but there's no connection mm. between the two. That's and powerful. so it's, it's important to realize uh, that there are sexual, I, I guess you could say sexual needs of men and women that are different. And once again, you need to know why your wife desires sex and what she's looking to get out of it and why your husband desires sex and what he's looking to get out of it. And if you are aware and clear on each other's expectations, it will help to enhance the experience. Uh, Listen, really quick, we know that couples struggle with all types of negative uh, sexual patterns in their marriage, whether they're having duty sex, responsibility, obligation sex, which really is not pleasurable. It's duty. It's, It's like it's like doing dishes. It's like, you know, mowing the lawn. It's just like doing homework with the kids. You have to do it. You don't necessarily desire to do it, but you have to do it. And so if you're now forced into an act that you don't desire, it, it really negatively impacts the experience that one could have. You know, other people struggle because they have sexless marriages. And, and a sexless marriage, by definition, are couples who have sex anywhere between one time a month, upwards of 10 times a year. Uh, that's not the normal cycle and pattern for statistically most couples. And so the question is, why aren't we having sex? Uh, What we have found, Pastor Tafara, is that typically it's not a physical problem or a sexual problem why couples don't have sex. It's a relational issue. It's an emotional hurt that hasn't been addressed and resolved that has caused a wedge in between couples. And one of the first areas that's impacted the most when you're not in a good place is your sexuality. Wow. So it's important that they maintain a strong sexual connection and really define what sexual fulfillment is. And sexual fulfillment by definition is a sexual experience that is predictably enjoyable and frequent enough for you. Now let's pause here predictably enjoyable. Like (laughs) my wife says this all the time. She loves ice cream, loves it. Now her favorite ice cream is vanilla bean ice cream. And she knows before she eats it, what it's going to taste like. She knows the pleasure of that ice cream. But imagine if every time she goes and and has ice cream, it tastes different. Sometimes it's Mm. too cold. It's too moist. It's too hard. The flavors aren't right. So there's this lack of consistency in the experience of eating ice cream, which could what diminish your desire to even want it. And what we found is that a lot of couples really are inconsistent in how they show up and what they're willing to exchange in that experience to make it predictably enjoyable 
and mutually beneficial. You know, wow. it's got to be mutually beneficial for both partners in order for right. it to really work. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I love it. Number three. <laughs> Number three. Let's hit it. Number three, the third emotional fair. I mean, the emotional need, excuse me. Yeah, so uh, number it, one, number one was uh, affection. Number one was affection. Number two, sexual fulfillment. Number two is sexual fulfillment. And number three is what we will call intimate conversation. Wow. And intimate conversation is talking about your feelings and your personal interests and your opinions and your plans. And, and let me tell you something. One of the biggest areas that couples struggle with the most intimacy. Now, I just used that word a second ago. Intimacy, into me, see. And what we've discovered is that there are four types of intimacy. We just covered one, sexual intimacy. But number two, we have emotional intimacy. Number three, we have intellectual intimacy. And number four, we have sexual, I'm sorry, spiritual intimacy. And when we're connected in all four areas, that is when we enter into oneness. And mm. so the emotional intimacy part, that's what this is talking about. Having intimate conversation. It is sharing your heart. It is sharing your emotions and your thoughts in a safe environment uh, that is protected. And that is the glue that helps to bind couples together. But a lot of times couples are so at odds with one another, or they're so intimidated by their partner, or their personality influences how they communicate. And a lot of couples shut down, they avoid conflict, right. they avoid issues. And rather than having conversations with each other, they have conversations, internal conversations with themselves because they don't wow. trust their partner, or they're venturing out and talking to friends and family members. And unfortunately, wow. we see a lot of people who are talking to members of the opposite sex and getting that need met there instead of getting it met in their household. Wow. And so intimate conversation to me is the most important emotional need of all of them, of all of them. And so if you struggle with communication, and I would say that 90, 95% of couples who come to us, though they may come because of a betrayal, really there was a breakdown in the communication. Wow. You know, and couples really need to really embrace that and constantly develop skills to have what we call breakthrough communication, if wow. that makes sense. That's awesome. <clears throat> All right. So let's go to the next one. All right. Wow. So number number four, I hope uh, people are getting something out of this. Recreation. Yeah. Uh, before Recreation. we go to number four, if you're getting yeah. something out of this, please uh, give us some feedback. Hit the thumbs up. Uh, the like button, the heart, send us some love. And uh, you can also start typing your questions. If you have any questions uh, from what we are sharing tonight, you can start typing them in the comment section on Facebook. And if you're watching from Zoom, you can type uh, your questions as well. Thank you. Let's go. Number four. Number four, recreational companionship. This mm -hmm. is taking the time to have fun, to enjoy your partner. Now, listen, we talked about soulmates, roommates, roommates, and cellmates, but this allows you and your spouse to become playmates. You know, here's the deal. We've heard this before. Couples who pray together stay together, and we know that to be the truth. But it is also true that couples who play together stay together. 
because, you know, pastor, if I like my spouse, I want to be around my spouse as Come much on. as possible. But a lot of times we love our partners, but we don't like them. We don't like wow. being around them. We don't like their attitude. We don't like their personality. We don't like their emotional reactions. And we rather just go somewhere else and not be bothered because I want to be at peace. I don't want to be stressed. And so we avoid each other because we don't like each other. Oh, and so man. when you take the time to have shared experiences, recreational companionship, doing things that are fun, it, en <clears throat> it enhances the relationship. And so I would encourage couples, listen, go back to the way it was, because when you were dating, you were, you, you didn't have duties and responsibilities and bills and all these things on your mind getting in the way. There was more of a lightheartedness. There was more of a natural connection. It was about getting lost in time. And you should really be intentional to schedule time with your spouse, even though you have kids, you have work, you have ministry, you have businesses, you have other friends, extracurricular. When you prioritize time with your spouse to have fun, it significantly enhances the relationship. I like how you use the word intentional there. This is not something that's just going to happen by osmosis or by itself. So couples have to be intentional. There has to be some intentionality around this. So you have to make time to uh, uh, play together, yeah. to do things together. I know some 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 guys out here because football, you know, the real football where you kick the ball with the foot, <laughs> not the American football. <laughs> you know, there's some guys out here who uh, they, they their fun time is football time and they have to leave their spouse to go and have some play time or some fun time. And it exposes uh, them from the not having this uh, emotional need uh, met. I'm not saying that the wives should go out and watch football with them, but what I'm saying is they should perhaps find common ground, find something that they enjoy doing together and start doing that so that they can invest into this playtime that you say is yeah. a need, not a want. This is a yes. need. Guys, remember, yes. we're dealing with oxygen issues here. This is like breathing. Your relationship needs these things. Number five. And, and what we're talking about is togetherness. Togetherness. You know, yeah. Togetherness relationship. Really it is. It is. So, so number five, uh, the fifth emotional need is what we would call honesty and openness. <clears throat> wow. And that's when you can have truthful and frank expressions of both positive and negative feelings. See, here's the deal. Uh, we avoid difficult conversations. We avoid being uncomfortable. But sometimes you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You've got to be willing to have difficult conversations. And, and listen, I, I say this all the time. Sometimes there is gift in a crisis. When a wow. couple gets into an argument, a lot of times they're, they, they, they're like, you know what, bump it. I'm going to just tell you what's on my mind. And then they begin to say all the things that have been pressed down, pent up. Uh, and so in that type of free fall conversation, truths come out that you really have to deal with. And we have found that a lot of times through the tug of war, sometimes they're able to come up with rules and guidelines and, 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 and new parameters to help solve a problem that they would have never had if they didn't have this honest conversation. And sometimes it happens in an argument. And if you know the rules of a good fight, you both can win. You know, I think about, a, I think about washing clothes. And typically when you put clothes in a washing machine, there's something in there called an agitator. 
and the agitator is really moving the clothes back and forth and it's releasing the dirt from the clothes so it can clean them. And sometimes it's okay to have healthy agitation in your communication if it results in something that is positive. And so wow. being frank and honest and loving, with, see, you can, you, we call it responsible honesty as opposed to, I'm gonna just keep it real. I'm gonna just tell yeah, you yeah, what's on yeah, my yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, we don't yeah. care how it comes yeah. across. We don't care yeah. how it impacts our partner, but doing yeah. it- in You still have work. a responsibility, I believe, to use your words tactfully. And uh, yes. script actually encourages us that may, uh, or your communication be seasoned with salt so that it may minister grace to the hearer. So <coughs> while, while you're being honest, you're telling the truth, watch this now, in love. So I totally agree with that. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's go to the next one. Number six, the Number sixth six emotional need is physical attraction. Now, I can't tell you how important this is in a marriage because guess what? It was important when we were dating. When I first met you, I approached you because I thought you were attractive. And somehow we think, well, we married now. We don't need to focus on that. That's superficial. You should love me for me. I shouldn't have to dress up and look a certain type of way for you. Yet, when we get up and go to work, that's exactly what we do. We put on our best. We put on our makeup. We do our hair. We're smelling good to leave the house to interact with other people. But yet, when we're home, we don't value how we look because it shouldn't matter or mean anything. Well, guess what? It does matter and it does mean something. And you should always maintain your level of attractiveness uh, for yourself, number one, and for your spouse, because they selected you, they chose you, they want to spend the rest of their life with you, and they want to like what they see. <laughs> so why should the world benefit from something that your partner does not get a chance to benefit from unless you two leave the house and are, are, are out with the world? So now my question is, well, who are you dressing for? You're dressing for others and you're not dressing for me? Uh, uh, who am I dressing for? Like, I've got to love you enough and value you enough to give you my best, whether we're inside the home or not. I call this keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. So number seven, the seventh emotional need is financial support. And that's really a uh, provision of the financial resources of the house, you know, feeding and clothing the family and maintaining a standard of living that is acceptable. And, and as I said earlier, the top three issues that couples struggle with sex, communication and money. And so when it comes to money, it's a very difficult conversation because we all have a different level of emotional intensity surrounding money based upon how we've been raised, based upon our habits, uh, and then how we manage money in the household. And so whether we're struggling with one person's working and the other one can't keep a job, or whether we're struggling with one is a spender, one is a saver, or whether we're struggling with, okay, we have a little bit extra money. Are we going to put it on debt? Are we going to save it? Are we going to invest it? Uh, whether we're struggling with some people are more risk takers and will just, you know, take a bunch of money and invest it into an opportunity and the other one's more conservative and they want to, you know, hold back. There's all these differences that couples struggle with in terms of how they manage their money. And it can create what we call financial instability. And so financial alignment is so critically important in order for couples to feel safe and secure uh, and are able to effectively move forward with a plan, a confident plan for their future. So finance awesome. is critical. It's critical. I know, uh, I think uh, it's probably one of the top reasons why people divorce, you know, uh, handling of finances. <coughs> what are some of the things that people can do to bring financial alignment 
to be in the, on the same page, you know, just before we go to the eighth, eighth point? Well, number one, they need to listen to their pastor, Safara, uh, because of his amazing teachings. You know, I've heard you talk about finances. I've heard you talk about the importance of being on one accord and how you manage things. So that's number one. But outside of Thank that, you. there are books that you can get. There are yeah. programs you can uh, take advantage of. You know, uh, we always recommend a Financial Peace University by um, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, yes. Dave Phenomenal. Ramsey, yeah. It's a good book. Add your like team that. members, right? Yeah. A, 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 one of the members of your family team should be a financial planner, a yeah. financial advisor, you know, an insurance in, agent, somebody who can guide you on what to do with your money. And once you're on the same page, you're able to move forward successfully. That's right. Number nine. Number All eight. Right, number nine. Number eight. Number eight. Domestic number eight. support. Domestic, domestic support. support. And that is how you manage the home. Listen, at the end of the day, men and women have their own idea about what the role of a husband and the role of a wife should be. And these ideas usually are in conflict with one another. We have these expectations of how our spouse should function in the home that we haven't taken the time to talk about. And so a lot of times these expectations are unmet and it creates friction. And so if you have two different family cultures that you come from and now you get married and enter into a home, it can cause a clash. So understanding what roles you play and negotiating through that is critically important. That is an important emotional need in order for you to have civility inside your household. That's awesome. All right, number nine. Number nine is family support. And that's really providing the moral and educational development of the children within the family unit. Um, wow. A lot of times, uh, men in particular, we're very one-dimensional in our approach. And we think our only responsibility is to financially provide. So as long as I'm a provider, I'm doing my job. And so what we don't realize is that the voice of a father is so critically important to the children. And it was, statistics would suggest when a father is not actively involved in the life of a boy or a girl, there are long-term effects and implications of how they develop, decisions they make, all types of things. And so whether you are in the home, you can be physically present, but emotionally, mentally, and, and spiritually not there. And so it's about being fully present and engaging with your spouse as you to raise and love and care for those children together. It's an incredible, incredible, important need for the household, okay? So that's family commitment. And then last but not least, <laughs> the last one is what we would call admiration. That is the last emotional need wow. to admire, to respect, to value, to esteem your partner. A lot of us take our spouses for granted. A lot of us are very demeaning in how we even look at and deal with our partners. But when you learn to honor and respect and value the person that you're with, you're speaking life into them, they feel safe and secure, and then that respect will also be reciprocated. And so these are the top 10 emotional needs to really keep your relationship intact. This is how, listen, you maintain that in love feeling and remain soulmates. And it's really, really, really practical. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even imagine admiration as one of the important uh, things uh, that, that glue us together, if you will, but Man, I like that you bring it up. I remember growing up in a in a household where my mom would always put her best foot forward when the visitors would come. I mean, she she had special cutlery, 
uh, I mean, China, that should never use on yeah. us, uh, on my dad or the children, because we were not that important, I think, in the order of priorities. But from what you're saying, uh, it seems like she should have used that on him. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> should have used that on my dad and and sometimes we make that mistake in our relationships to the point where we start taking each other for 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 granted and um i believe if you are listening uh man you need to you need to start putting these things into practice these are real practical things that you can put into practice that will help you uh not get on that slippery slope to where you move from uh soulmates to role mates uh, to roommates, to sell uh, mates. We don't want you just staying in a relationship for the sake of, of staying in. In fact, there are sayings out here in the continent of Africa where you hear women saying, you know what, at this point, I'm, I'm now just staying for the sake of the children. Mm. You know, there, there's no yeah. relationship any longer. So I'm now just staying because, you know, I don't want my kids to be uh, messed up or to grow up without a father or a mother and I think it's a bad place to be and I don't believe that's why uh, that's God's uh, uh, original intent for marriage God created marriage for relationship for uh, communion for chemistry for connection and uh, th these are very important things all right guys we're going to start taking some questions uh, now we've been at it for about 37 seconds we only have about uh, eight eight minutes uh, before we let uh, Sunny go. So we're going to uh, get into some questions. And uh, Hassani, I have some questions for you here. Uh, at the moment, we only have one question. So we're going to ask the guys to uh, type their questions. In fact, I think couples may be uh, scared to put their questions in the comment section because they don't want everybody uh, thinking okay. that they're the ones. You know what? You can ask for a friend, okay? You yeah, don't yeah. have to ask for yourself. You can ask for a friend or you can uh, put it in our, uh, you can slip it in our inbox, okay? Slip it in our DM. <laughs> okay, we have one question at the moment and I'm just trying to get uh, my wife's phone unlocked here. Uh, all right, okay, I got it. Uh, where's the question? On the pictures. Okay, I think I got the question. Okay, the first question is, uh, if your partner is not confident and uh, doesn't have faith in themselves, how can you help them? Continue to speak life into them. It goes back to uh, affection, right? So one of the components of affection uh, are words of affirmation. And so if a person uh, struggles with self-esteem or self-worth, believing in oneself, poor body image, maybe their insecurities and fears and phobias, um, that that person has that can stem from their childhood or previous relationships or experiences that they had in their life, they need a constant support system and source of motivation. <clears throat> and so speaking life into uh, your partner is critically important. And also, listen, reminding them of the word. See, the more you put the word into them, you're sowing seeds in them that should germinate and grow into change and transformation where you begin to overcome the limiting beliefs that have held you back for so long. That's awesome. Uh, we have another question for you, uh, Hassani, here. Uh, it says uh, infidelity. And I know that you help a lot of uh, people who go through this. So this, this, this right here is up your alley. It says infidelity is the hardest thing to ever get over. Uh, how can you overcome this? Yeah, it's a good question. 
what we have found is that generally speaking, most people do not divorce because, because of an affair. They divorce because of how people show up or refuse to show up after the affair has been discovered or revealed. And so the way that you get over it is going through a process of restoration. So we focus on three things, the marital recovery, and much like what we talked about today, learning how to meet each other's emotional needs, because I guarantee you for a long time, needs have not been met, which may have led to an affair. Number two, we focus on the individual recovery process. See, the reality is there's always gonna be the betrayed spouse and the unfaithful spouse, and both of them are hurting, but in two completely different ways. And so they each require their own personal growth and development and healing process to get to a better place. And then you got to listen, I say this all the time. Sometimes you got to get dirty. Sometimes you got to get in the mud and, and get muddy and dirty and wet and deal with the pain of what has occurred, dealing with the details of that affair in order to effectively get the closure you need, find the healing and move forward. So there are there's a six step process of a fair recovery that couples should go through. And when they go through that process, they're able to forgive. They're able to begin to trust again. They know how to overcome triggers when they do come. They know how to build, build up their self-esteem and protect the marriage to keep it from happening again. But if you don't go through a process, you're in essence committing yourself to a life of pain that you can never overcome. Amen. And we have another question here that says, uh, what do you do if the spouse is discouraged from constant uh, disappointments? I'm not sure if it's in the same uh, breath as the previous question, disappointments from uh, infidelity or just general disappointments. Not sure about that, but it says, what do you do if they are discouraged from uh, uh, constant disappointments? Yeah. And, and, and this is why I think it's important that you have your own individual work. See, a lot of times we are disappointed by how our partner refuses to show up. But, and, and, and there's a lot of changes that our partner needs to make in, in, in terms of encouraging us and, and showing their level of commitment to the relationship. But in the meantime, while we're waiting for our partner to get it together, what are we doing? How are we finding healing? What program are we embracing that leads to our personal growth and development? We know for a fact that you cannot change your partner no matter what you say, no matter what you do. But when you change you and you show up differently, you force your partner to respond differently to you because wow. you're different. And so wow. sometimes you can have an indirect impact or influence on their willingness to make changes based upon you deciding for yourself what's right for you, what's best for you, what you're willing to tolerate, what you're not willing to tolerate. And, and when you focus on that, uh, a lot of times that gets the ball rolling, creates the momentum and shifts begin to happen in the relationship. That's awesome. Uh, the next question, uh, someone said, asking for a friend, can someone have more than one love language? Yes, absolutely. So. Yeah. You know, we typically have a primary and secondary love language, and those are the two strongest of all five. But there's some people who score equal across all five. And so they have an equal need for all of it. And so, and so here's the reality. As you grow and as you grow together, your love language may change. Because yeah. right now, I may have a need for words of affirmation, maybe right. because I don't get it. But once I'm filled up in that space, 
I'm getting it regularly. I no longer have a need for it, but now I have a need for what? Quality time. So yeah. it shifts and changes and you got to give your, your relationship the space for them to constantly change and make the necessary adjustments in order to be in a good place. That's awesome. And I believe this calls for constant study of your partner. Usually what we do at church is when we do uh, marriage classes is we ask couples to take classes, uh, to take a test on the different love languages and they usually score high on one particular love language. And, and uh, we usually warn the, 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 their partner that, you know, this is not going to be constant forever. It's not a, a, a sad thing that will never change. You know, yeah. otherwise you're going to hold them hostage 10 years from today's end, but you said 10 years ago that your love language was words of affirmation. That's, you know, but it changes. And so this is why we need to be uh, constantly and consistently uh, learning each other. You want to talk a little bit about that, about learning each other and how we can get yeah. around that and how we so, can do well, that. The, the principle we teach is, you know, you should become a student of your spouse. Come on, say that again. Message. That's powerful. <laughs> Just like you go to school, elementary school, high school, even going to college, and you're pursuing degrees and certifications and licenses uh, for work and career, likewise, you should pursue, we say, get your PhD in your partner. Uh, wow. Most people don't even have a diploma in their partner, <laughs> let alone a PhD. And so we're ignorant of who each other you know, you know, is. And, and, and to your point, we change. And if you're not conscious and aware and focused on the changes and shifts that happens in your relationship over time, you'll miss out. You know, my wife, I've been married going on 18 years. She's not the same person today that she was 18 years ago. Right. And if, the point, if I'm looking at day one instead of day now, we're going to have a problem. So yeah. I got to take the time to learn her. And so one of the things that Danielle does, she does an amazing job of really helping couples to reintroduce themselves to themselves and then to their partner by a phenomenal assessment that she walks them through regarding their personality. And then once you clearly understand a person's personality, you know how to maneuver, how to engage, how to communicate, how to interact with them. That leads to good results instead of things that continue to set you back. That's awesome. And we're going to take our last question uh, for tonight. Thank you so much, Asani. Uh, for this this is really helpful we're getting a, a lot of good comments uh let me just read a few here some compliments uh keith uh, chigondo uh says sound wisdom thank you very much uh we have uh, edward uh Guinyai mahachi here he's saying a phd in your partner and he puts a, a hands clapping there and uh what else do we have here we have another question here uh from uh, let me see. There's a question from Sipo that says, how do you balance between kids and keeping your dating life supercharged uh, with limited resources? Yeah, that's such a great question. So first of all, I think managing time is critically important because once you have kids, they do become a major focus. And so the time you spent with each other, meaning you and your partner, now gets replaced by all the needed time that children have. And so that's why it's important to properly manage your time. So we, we use something called a color-coded calendar. And so where we assess, well, what time do we generally wake up and what time do we go to bed? And we literally assess every hour of that day. You realize when you do that and you take an account of your day, 
you really have a lot more time than what you thought you did. Right. A lot of time we're wasting time. And so if we could learn how to prioritize time <clears throat> and time block for our spouse and for our marriage, it, you, you, you're no longer competing. So for instance, this time spent with family, this time spent at work, this time spent with God, this time spent with friends, and then you have your spouse. Now, your work may get more time than you and your spouse have. Your family time, time with the kids may get more time than your, you and your spouse have. But if you're prioritizing that time, your partner doesn't feel like she's competing with your time at work, with your time with the kid, with anything else, because you've prioritized it. And so that's what we do. And so whether you have a financial budget to go out and date or not, you got to be creative. Like yeah. years ago, when we were broke, busted and disgusted and struggled to pay bills, we had to be creative. So so maybe it was just walking uh, to a park, walking yeah. around the lake and, and talking, yeah. reading a book together. Maybe it's staying home and vegging out on, on Netflix movies or playing a board game or video games. Like as long as you're having fun and you're connected, it's not about how much you spend and how lavish a day can be. It's about togetherness and quality time. Come so on, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because I look at it this way. You are going to have lunch anyway. Why not pack that lunch and take it to a park somewhere and sit and watch the birds and watch the sunset and just kind of have a good time uh, together? You should be creative beyond uh, just what your budget can do. Exactly. Uh, okay, now uh, one last question. I think we have a good uh, question here. Before I read that, I just want to read a few uh, comments here. Uh, Tangai Kelvin Goma uh, simply said facts yet so profound. Uh, I have Marshall here. Um, he says this was really helpful. Thank you. And I also have um, uh, DC. They say powerful message. Uh, Pastor Denzel Chetty. Thank you, PT and Asani for an amazing teaching. Uh, Dillian uh, Boyson uh, says thank you so much. And uh, I have uh, Vanessa Voss. She says, excellent teaching. Uh, thank you. So we're going to take our last question here. Uh, Erica Chiminya, she says, thank you as well. And uh, our last question is from Rutendo. She says, what's your take on me time? Uh, how often should you take me time? This that's is a, the last question, guys. Thank you so question. much. Listen, when you get married, a lot of times you lose your sense of self, you lose your voice, you lose your identity, your whole focus is on your spouse and your kids, and you're giving them the, uh, you're giving all your time and attention to them and not taking time for yourself. But if you're not a healthy you, you can't be a healthy wife and a healthy mother. You can't be a healthy husband and a healthy uh, father. So you need me time and me time needs to happen every single day. It just cannot compete with the time that you need to spend at work with the kids and with your spouse. So if that means waking up earlier in the morning and having your personal time, you know, a lot of people uh, get up an hour earlier, they exercise, they journal, they read the word, they pray, they pursue a hobby, uh, they just catch up on themselves, taking care of themselves. You should do that. If during the weekends when everybody's off from work, if you wanna get your nails done, we'll schedule that in. And so clear that expectation with your partner so that they're not threatened by that. But every, if you don't take the time to retreat regularly, you get to the point where you just want to throw up your hands and retreat from everything. 
So me time is essential in order for you to be your best self in your marriage and in your family. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Asani. Uh, before we go, do you mind just praying for all the couples that have uh, tuned in tonight? Let's just pray and release a blessing and uh, just pray that they may be able to have the strength from Almighty God to meet all these uh, uh, emotional needs that we were talking about tonight. For those that may have their fire, uh, Deem, we want to pray just that the Holy Spirit would tame that fire and bring a uh, a newness of life into their marriage and just release that blessing over them. If you don't mind, brother. So father God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for being faithful. We thank you for the institution of marriage and how we are privileged to partake in an institution that you created before government, before school, before anything. The family was foundational for you. And so we, we counted an honor and a privilege to be a part of that. And Father, we know that there's a global pandemic uh, that's happening throughout the world. Uh, and the crisis on the outside is creating a crisis on the inside. We pray that you help us to have a level of patience and care and compassion for one another during these tough times, that we will come together as a force to be reckoned with, and we won't be torn apart by what's taking place. I pray that you help us to open up our hearts and our minds to receive from one another. Help us to have a level of intimacy we've never had before. Help us to begin to effectively communicate in ways that we haven't before. Just give us a, a desire to become the best versions of ourselves so that we can have the best marriages that we can have. Also impacting our ability to have a solid family because the foundation of civilization is the family. And so Amen. we bring you and invite you into our lives uh, every single day. We pray that your word will become final authority in our lives. And whenever we are have awe or unforgiveness, help us, Father God, to, to go back to you and help us to meet our partner where you are at. And so we That's thank right. you for uh, all that we've gone through, but we thank you more importantly for where you're taking us. We know yes, that you Lord. have a plan for our future to prosper us. And we know that beyond the benefits of our union, there's purpose and, and, and intentionality that you have set forth for us and help us to manifest that. Help us yes, to live out the calling that you have for us so that we may impact the world for your kingdom. And so we thank you in advance for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for joining tonight. Now, if people that are watching would like to invest more knowledge into their marriage and they want to watch more um, videos, perhaps uh, buy books, uh, where can they go so that they can get help, more help uh, beyond just tonight? Well, we would encourage everybody to visit our website at couplesacademy.org. That's couplesacademy.org, where you can find out about our services and how we work one-on-one -on -one with couples to restore their relationships. I, I feel excited to, to know that we have quite a few clients, particularly in South Africa, that we've had the privilege of currently working with, and we're excited about that. Um, go to YouTube. If you go to YouTube and simply type my name in, Hassani Pettiford or Couples Academy, subscribe to those channels because we deliver content on a weekly basis that will enrich your life and enrich your relationship. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Hassani. And I believe that uh, someone watching tonight will start taking these things seriously, invest in their marriage, uh, make time to e invest and to meet their uh, spouse's emotional needs. Uh, but guys, I encourage you to buy, invest in your marriage. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by osmosis. You're going to have to be intentional uh, 
uh, about doing these things to make sure that your marriage uh, thrives. But thank you so much for joining us. Tomorrow night, we start uh, Grace in the Marketplace online conference every single night. We're going to be uh, starting at 6 p.m. And so I want to encourage you to uh, come on to the Faith Hill Church page. Uh, we have some world changes that are going to be joining me and uh, you don't want to miss it. But otherwise, God bless you and talk to you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Take care. Ciao, brother. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. <laughs>